Welcome to Achieving Your Child's Potential podcast. I'm your host, Helen Panos. I am an educator, speaker, mentor, and author. I believe in the importance of helping children reach their potential so they will become well-rounded, intelligent citizens with positive influence and impact in society. Join me to hear from experts who can help give parents access to the best skills, strategies, tools, and resources to help their children be successful and ultimately excel in the world. Hello, everybody. It's Helen Panos, and welcome to Achieving Your Child's Potential podcast. Um, I am happy to bring on a new guest this week, and her name is Melissa Carter. Hi, Melissa. How are you doing? Hey, Helen. How are you? Good. And Melissa is a parent of a kindergartner. So sometimes I like to bring on parents, of course. And uh, we have a unique topic we want to talk about today. Um, It's about gaming. (laughs) I know a lot of people think that is a bad word and it's always negative, but there are some positives to gaming as well. Would you say, Melissa? I would. I would. And, you know, Helen and I had had this conversation off air before, and we thought it was a great idea. And I'm so glad to be part of your podcast. Congratulations. Um, I, I, I don't think gaming is bad. I think gaming is a unique educational tool for my son. So my son is six years old. He's in kindergarten. Um, His fascination with gaming started about a year ago when he was five, maybe even into four, where oddly enough, he discovered Pac-Man. Mm. And I love Pac-Man. <laughs> I know, right? And I'm like, I played Pac-Man as a kid. I'm giving away my age. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. There's nothing wrong with our age. Yeah, I, I, I'm 50. I'm a 50 year old mother of a of a six year old, so I'm an old mama, uh, and which may change, you know, the the way I look at it because I, as an older mother, I'm I'm able to have a different perspective, maybe have more patience. That's a little, you know. Um, I think there's there's benefits being an older mom and it benefits being younger mom. Um, but in my case, I grew up with games. So I played Atari 2600. I, I had Pac-Man. I had it in my home. Galaga. Uh, I love Galaga. Galaga. Great. <laughs> yes. And my parents were fascinated by this. But I think also my, my parents were excited that I was into something. You know, I came from parents that were encouraging of, of um, you know, passions. And so I try to do that for my son. And so when he discovered Pac-Man, um, it, it came from YouTube because I will say that my son does not watch television. He watches YouTube. So he'll watch Number Blocks, which is a great video on YouTube. He'll watch Peppa Pig and PJ Masks. And, and, and he was into trains when he was little. So we would watch train videos on YouTube. And I think it was probably something popped up with Pac-Man mm-hmm. in a suggested video by YouTube. And he his favorite color is yellow. So that probably was the star. <laughs> and then the mazes. So basically he became obsessed with Pac-Man and gaming. And since then, um, he has been introduced to Minecraft, Roblox, um, and Among Us. And he loves them all. And so we, of course, I monitor how much he plays. We don't play games yeah. before school. We don't, he remote learns during the pandemic. So he doesn't play games in between classes. Uh, We save the video games for after school as kind of a reward, but I do it with him. And that's the other, Ah. that's the other thing is I play the games with him and I allow him to talk to me about the games um, 
and I engage with him in the games because it's what he's into and I want to be a part of it with him. So he's excited to tell me when he reaches a high score. He's excited to tell me about a new maze. He's excited to tell me about his strategy for beating, you know, Inky, Pinky, <laughs> Blinky and Clyde. Like, and so I find that that's a conversation between a mother and son. It just happens to be about gaming. So it's up to me to make sure I stay on top of the things that he's doing. And I learn to play them with him. And mm -hmm. then he wants to, he hands me the controller and says, mama, you play. I, he wants to watch me play the games. Ah. And then one thing I told Helen, you know, in the past in our conversation was I extend this beyond the screen. Mm -hmm. So we have played Pac-Man and Among Us and Roblox in the kitchen role-playing. And we, and, and there's a, Among Us is a game where there's a map and so I have actually taken painter's tape and I have made the map on the, on the hardwood floor and we've played it with stuffed animals on the hardwood floor. Oh. Um, and we've done artwork where his art is about these things. So I guess my point is that to look at video games, like they're this evil entity that is trying to destroy your child's brain, <laughs> I think is short-sighted because my son is learning strategy. He is learning relationships because he, he associates relationships with the characters within the game. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he wants to use his imagination to think beyond the game when he's not playing it. And I engage in that with him because I see that as no different than playing house or doctor or anything else. He just happens to be playing Pac-Man and Roblox. Um, and so, so I see video games as a tool, not the enemy. That's, that's true. Cause like, you know, girls that play with doll houses, right? Yeah, exactly. They're kind of the same you know, commonality, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So um, would you say he's learning um, problem solving? He's problem solving. Critical yes. thinking is probably. Can you tell the parents like maybe specifically um, on one of the games like Minecraft or something like that, where he might be doing problem solving or critical thinking skills, even at, at five years old? Absolutely. Six, well, six. He's, six. he's six now. Yeah. Well, Minecraft, I think, you know, and most parents have heard of it if they have not um, played it, but Minecraft is to be basically Legos in a game. Mm -hmm. So Minecraft is a game that a developer, I believe in Eastern Europe um, put together where you have to mine uh, you, you're in a world and it's, everything is square. So that's why I say it's like Legos. Everything is a square block mm -hmm. and you start out in this world that is just a forest and you have a pickaxe and you dig and you have to mine for certain metals and those metals build things Okay. and you build things. And so you not only learn about metals, my son has learned what metals go with what and how strong each metal is, but he also has learned, well, if I build this, it needs to be eight across and 12 up. And so he's learning dimensions, yeah. math, math skills. Yes. Numerical <laughs> dimensions. Um, and he's also learned you hunt. And so he's learned. And again, this Minecraft is very, you know, appropriate for a young child. So when he hunts, it's nothing graphic, but the hunting is trying to teach you that if you're out and you hunt a certain animal, then you get food. Mm -hmm. And so basically what he does is he hits an animal. I know that sounds terrible, but in the game, you kind of not, you kind of knock it, the animal disappears and the food appears. And yeah. so he, he's learning that, that a cow gives me beef, an egg, a chicken gives me eggs, 
Um, and so Minecraft is a survival game, basically is what it is. So you're out on your own and have to survive and you build things in doing so. No, so that's, that's he's learned those skills there. But there was another game that was a, just a random Roblox game. So if you've heard of Roblox, it's just a series of little games. People right. can create these games on their own and put it up there. And there was one of the games where you were in a school and the only way that you could get from room to room or outside the school was solving math problems. Mm. And that game is what inspired my son to, to realize that he loved math. And so now he's excelled in, at, even at the kindergarten level, excelled in his math class because of not only Minecraft, but also this other Roblox game where now that's one of the things he wants me to do. We have a chalkboard wall in our house and he wants to me to put math problems up there for him to solve yeah. because he wants to practice doing math so that when he plays that Roblox game, he'll be able to do it faster. <laughs> so, and these games are not meant to, they're not um, advertised as educational. Like they're not something that your teachers would have in the school class. These are just regular video games, mm -hmm. but there are benefits to these games um, he, color schemes, um, you know, there's so many things that he comments on in these games that to me, seriously, is no different than a coloring book is no different than something, you know, he's manipulating these worlds and he's excited to see what else he can do with it. It's kind of like when we were younger and we were coloring in books. Now it's transferred to 21st century Yes, the 21st century look. <laughs> right. And now, and I know a lot of parents are like, well, you know, it does not replace coloring books, of course, but like my point is to expand it, to expand your child's interest into every level. So like I said before, do role playing with them. You know, if you're doing art, you know, give them the opportunity to draw whatever you want to. And usually there's a game called plants versus zombies. And my son, every, ch every chance he gets, he will he will draw out plants versus zombies. Um, mm. He wants the stuffed animals so that he can role play in the house with them. Um, so, you know, this idea that a child is just going to be again, zombified by just <laughs> staring at a video game and not engaging in the world is not the experience I am having. And I think that's because I don't fuss at him about playing them. I, encourage him to play them and then in doing so he gets bored with the screen he on his own will turn off the xbox or turn off the ipad or turn off the tv and then he'll be like mom let's play let's do this around the kitchen he initiates that not me oh wow he's think he's an outside the box thinker <laughs> melissa you know i'm getting fortified so it's sounding like he might be gifted okay well you know hell we'll have that conversation when he's <laughs> age to be able to be tested but i think i think also that we all we associate video games with 13 year old boys usually right mm -hmm. um and i think that if you're in your own home and let's say you're because i'm a lesbian so he has two moms so if you're a straight woman and have a man in the house who you roll your eyes at and like oh my god he's playing video games again you know it's, it's one of those things where you just have to kind of check yourself and 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 my challenge to a lot of my female friends is well if you're playing candy crush on your phone you're a gamer that's a game that's a video game <laughs> that's you know true. If you did Farmville back in the day, that's a video game. So you're a gamer. And if you played Pac-Man when you were right. younger. So and what's Galaga. The, yeah. and Galaga. Yeah. So what's the difference? There's no difference. There's no reason to, you know, I just think to reevaluate your relationship with video games yourself and allow the, because the, this world of video and virtual reality and not technology is not going anywhere. Um, so embrace it. And then, like I said, you can embrace it 
allow it and then expand upon it to allow the kid to be outside, to allow the kid to be coloring, to the, allow the kid to be role playing, you know, to let their world get bigger rather than them feeling like they have to escape into their room to play it because you won't allow them to do it. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. Wow. Yeah, that's great that you're using that in those uh, terms. And I guess COVID and being uh, maybe all of us stuck inside for a while now might have helped, I guess, the fact that you can spend more True. time with them too, right? right? So I know a lot of parents are busy working. Um, I don't know how, you know, maybe you can speak to that because I know you have to have your child at home during right. COVID yeah. and yeah. go into a school. Maybe give parents is there a, a way to schedule that into your crazy life? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I know people are getting out more now. So things are picking back up again because I see a lot of traffic. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. People, people are people are ready to get out. It's like, dude, we're we're almost there. We're almost all vaccinated. We just a little bit longer if you just be patient. I'm a kidney transplant recipient, so I've had to be home during the whole thing. And I was fortunate that my son's school allowed hybrid learning. So for the parents and grandparents who were taking care of children, his school allowed uh, those kids to be at home remote. They hired remote teachers uh, for those classes, which I really appreciate. Um, So I have had that time at home with my son. But I will say that um, when life gets busy and we all only have limited amount of times with our children, you know, I, I think that think about creatively how you can uh, again engage with your kid about gaming so like while you're at work like the thing about gaming is there's goals it's a goal-oriented thing that's what one of the things I think is very important to understand about games mm-hmm. when you play you just think about when you played Pac-Man like or Miss Pac-Man when Ms. Pac-Man came out and all I wanted was those, those cut scenes in between the levels. I just want to get through level one so I could see the little cart, you know, the little scene play out. Right. <laughs> and it, so there was a goal. I wanted to see those things. Um, Galaga is like, you know, I wanted to get to the point where I could have the two ships, you mm-hmm. know, together fighting right. off the alien <laughs> bugs. Yeah. Um, and so, the, so that's what I think for certain kids who love video games, that's the other draw is what else can I do? What more can I do? I want to reach this goal. And that's a good thing for them to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that throughout the day, when you're not with your child, try to think of things that, you know, I don't know if you can send them messages or if you can say that, you know, okay, tonight we're going to see if we can do this together, like play with them, you know, set a goal with them, you know, or, you know, with my son, he loves Loves competition so it's me about you know kind of trash talking him in an appropriate way of course <laughs> knowing that he's going to beat me but it's like just ribbing him a little bit to get him all excited about oh i'm going to beat my mom this is going to be fun you know it's just about it's supposed to be about the emotion of the experience with your child and so mm-hmm. that's why i think when you fuss at your child about games from the start without understanding the game or anything just because it's a video game is bad you're sending this negative energy to your child about this, that where it could be something that you could bond with your child with. Another thing with my son, again, he's in kindergarten, you know, they make books based on uh, video games, comic books, children's books, novels. That's the other thing you could tell you could like, if you're a child, lot of people going into those careers now. Exactly. And so you could, yeah. if let's say your child's into Fortnite, which I've heard a lot of parents roll their eyes. Oh, like, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> Fortnite. Well, they make book, they, they publish books on storylines based on the game. So why not do a little book club with your kid and say, okay, you know, this week we're going to read, 
you know, this fortnight book and then come Friday night or Saturday morning, we're going to sit down and talk about it and maybe play the game. Like, I just think it's an opportunity to, to connect with your child. Um, and it may take some, you know, I mean, you may not be interested in it, but that doesn't matter as a, as a parent, you're supposed to encourage your child's interest. So you're going to have to, you know, suck it up a little bit if you hate games and, and try to help, but I just, yes, I just think that it's a, it's a wasted opportunity. I know I keep repeating that, but that's just the, the words that keep coming in my mind that it has been such a great experience to bond with my son over video games. And for me to learn about these games, Mm -hmm. because like I said, I love video games, but I was out of touch. I hadn't played video games in years (laughs) and to know, yeah. And to know about Fortnite, to know about Minecraft, to know about among us and, you know, all these ones that are coming up and, you know, I'll just be there the whole time with him to Especially try to boys. They love games. Right. And yeah. I and it seems that was... like, well, so you say that, you know, I try to tell my son, I try to explain that some of the people he's playing with are girls or seeing on the screen. Yeah. Because I do think also that is, that's been what's what's happened, but I'm not convinced that is, it means that girls wouldn't be interested. No, I just think, true. I think, I think some parents just assume that's a boy thing. So I'm going to get my boy a video game. I'm going to get him the Nintendo switch, but I'm not going to get it for my daughter. Right. Right. No. And I'm like, why are you not getting it for your daughter? Because like Helen said, there are people that are making a lot of money off this. So if your child, like my my, uh, nephew through my husband's uh, family, he's doing that now full time. And that's it's full time. See, and I, I told my son, cause he watches guys on YouTube, play video games on YouTube or Facebook. I got to find out for you. (laughs) Yeah. And and Twitch is another platform where they can uh, do this. And there are guys, teenagers in their twin, you know, twenties who are making millions of dollars doing nothing but playing video games and explaining what they're doing. And my son loves those videos. And he, of course, only there's, there's a lot of guys out there that know that little kids are watching them. So they're very age appropriate in the way they talk about the games and the games they play. So my son only watches those guys. And, and again, it's a lot of guys, there's maybe one or two women. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, you know, number one, if my son decides to do this, if it's still a thing when he's in high school, that could be his paper route. You know, he could do that, learn about video editing, learn about audience, learn about, you know, how to tell a story Mm -hmm. and make a lot of money. And I'm like, but the girls need to be able to make a lot of money, too. So I challenge parents of daughters, make sure they're not into video games before you dismiss them being into video games. I agree. I, I, I want, I want women to make money and these girls need to make some money. <laughs> you know, we need to start out. We need to start out financially ladies, secure. want to be in a career where it's mainly male dominant. <laughs> well, I did radio all my life and it was mainly male dominant That's and right. I, and you, it is fine that the guys need the women in there. So, um, uh, I, yeah. I, yeah. So I, I don't a lot just, more women going to Georgia tech and they're, yes, I just, now. Yes. Our ideas about what women, what girls and boys like, I think needs to change because we're learning boy to me, boys and girls are not that different from each other. They really aren't. Uh, They're, uh, uh, you know, anatomically different. Um, But I think when it comes to emotions and expectations and pressure on themselves and what they want in the world is not different. And so, yes, if you are a parent of a daughter you know, just see, just, just see if they like video games and allow them to do that. Don't, 
don't just assume it's for your sons. Mm-hmm. I, if I had a daughter, we'd be doing the same thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. If they like that kind of thing, they may not. Yeah, like if they, yeah exactly. If they don't like it authentically, then no big deal. But you know, make sure your daughter's not secretly playing a video game, you know, <laughs> because they don't want, they're embarrassed to tell you they like video games. And you say that's a boy thing. Cause it's certainly right. Not. Right. I, 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 my company's been tutoring more girls actually that I noticed are more, um, you know, into maybe not gaming, but sports and yeah. a lot of other things that like back in our time, probably exactly a a no-no or they weren't even thinking about it or it's not it's not very girl-like it's not lady-like to be into sports and that's Mm -hmm. you know and you fit like you said you find that if you allow girls to feel comfortable in sports then guess what we have a ton of most girls like sports or at least are part of a team once in their life more more soccer now yeah more of that swimming yeah definitely yeah that's awesome so i'm gonna do a little shift here and ask you to talk a little bit about you know your background and your mm-hmm. uh where you started off and how you got into um media sure and, and maybe talk about that for girls and and boys that might want to go into journalism or and you know i know it's stressful you were saying you used to get up at 3 a.m 3 a.m yes let's, <laughs> let's, let's uh, use your uh strengths and talk about that for a few minutes sure so uh funny enough my brother was uh, is i mean he's still with us he's a big techie so he's a computer programmer um he was always into electronics he went to college initially for electrical engineering um so when we were young and i say that because i do think that your child tells you what they're interested in when they're young like i do think it's an innate interest from the start and my brother nurse (laughs) yeah i mean yeah i mean it's it's i i that's another thing pay attention to your children they will tell you what they like without them even realizing that they know what they like um but my brother was into technology and so he was older than me and when i was in elementary school he brought home a cassette recorder so it was the cassette (laughs) player that you could record yourself and he bought a microphone with it or i should say my parents he was 14 so he his my mom and dad bought him that Mm -hmm. and i took that and i played with it nonstop. he allowed me to to be able to record and i would record myself and imitate radio djs in nashville because we lived outside of nashville and and, and so that's where it started. Like I was fascinated by recording my voice and listening to my voice and, and making sound <laughs> effects and doing all this stuff. And so when I was in high school, I lived in a small town outside of Nashville and there was a radio station that I got a job at. And I worked my senior year. My parents allowed me because it was a standalone in a house radio station, small, you know, small town radio station. But they allowed me my senior year to work the uh, six to midnight shift Oh, wow. As, as long as I could keep up with my homework because I was there by myself. So I could, you know, it wasn't a, an intensive job. Like you played songs and you talked, but I had pl- plenty of downtime to do homework and that kind of thing. So, and thanks to my mom and dad for understanding that that's something that potentially could have been a career for me, which it was. And so right. I, went to, yeah. I went to college at the University of Tennessee um, and got my degree in broadcasting. <laughs> Go Vols. <Yeah>. And... Uh, <laughs> And then I came to Atlanta and uh, didn't get a job in radio for several years because I, I could, yeah, I would, didn't have enough experience. And, and, and I'll stop there to say that's the difference also today with YouTube, with TikTok. You know, again, these are things that people criticize their children doing. 
right? Mm -hmm. But I'm here to tell you as a media professional that that is giving them more, that's giving them experience, it's giving them an audience, and it's giving them a way to get a job in media that I wasn't able to get. So when I was 22 and moved to Atlanta, if I could have shown a radio station, I've got a million likes on TikTok, and here are the videos that I've done on my own, I would have been able to get a job. Mm -hmm. But because I didn't have that resource back then, I had to I had to do odd jobs for several years until I was able to network enough to meet somebody to get a job. So I got a job as a part-time news writer at a radio station in Atlanta. If you're a longtime Atlanta resident, 99X is the station. Yep. Um, so Barnes, Leslie and Jimmy hired me to be a part-time news writer for Leslie Fram. And that and I did that part time until there was one morning where she had the flu and she couldn't get come in and they didn't have time to get her a replacement. So they asked me if I would fill in for her. And I and they, actually they said, are you up? To, are you up for it? And I said, give me a chance. Yes. <laughs> and her getting her throwing up that morning is what launched my career and so I filled in for her and I did a well enough job or good enough job that uh, I was the permanent fill-in for her from then on out whenever she had to be out of town and then that's how I got the job on the Burt show was them listening to me fill in for her okay and then I hosted my own show at B98.5 so it's basically just about opportunity and and I think that and I do think going into what you are passionate about plays a huge role because you know I was part-time for them getting up at three o'clock in the morning to be there, but I did that because I loved it. Like it, it wasn't an, it wasn't a chore for me to, to get up at three. I was excited to get up and be a part of that. Mm -hmm. I think that if you force your kid into something they're not into just because you think it's going to make them more money, they're not going to make that much money from it because they're not going to dedicate themselves to it. I think that your passion, money follows your passion. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I think you need to, uh, pay attention to your kids and what they're interested in, because if you allow them to be passionate about something and help them find a way to do it, mm -hmm. then they're going to be successful. I guarantee you. So um, I was in morning radio in Atlanta for 20 years. And then I had my son, I never expected to be a mom. And then I had my son and um, I couldn't do the 3am because it was hard enough for me to find care for my son at three o'clock in the morning but I didn't want to leave yeah. him at three o'clock. I mean, it just, it, and I was tired and I just couldn't do it. So I left morning radio. Um, and since then I've been consulting with financial advisors in particular, there are companies that help financial advisors become media people. And I'm, I'm contract out to um, kind of mentor them and doing it. I had my own podcast. I had a podcast called she persisted um, that's still on iTunes or Apple podcast. I just launched a new a podcast called the frenzy which is spelled F-R-I-E-N-D-Z-Y. And it's with me and Jen Hobby, who are on the Burt Show together. And it's about women and aging. So 40 plus women, we talk about everything that nobody else is talking about. So if you're a mom out there, grandmom <laughs> out there listening, you, you're well, more than welcome to come listen to the frenzy. So um, yeah, and just, I love media. I just love it. And, you know, in the, in the pandemic, I also started a blog um, called You Only Have Your Shelf to Blame. See what I did there? <laughs> and it's about books. It's about the books on my bookshelf because I want to talk about the things that I surround myself with and how they've influenced me. So, I mean, it's so it just goes to show that when I have downtime and I'm not getting paid for it, mm -hmm. I still want to do media. I still want to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's last, you know, like I said, I'm it's 50. It's definitely your passion then. 
Yeah. So I've been, you know, I got that. I think I started playing with that tape recorder at seven years old and I'm 50 and still playing with whatever technology is out there. And, um, and that's why I think I'm so uh, inspired to help my son with what he's interested in, because I understand that, yes, there have been times where I had no money and he struggled. And there's been times that I have been very blessed and had a lot of money uh, and everything in between. And, but the consistency was my interest in what I was doing. Like it, it, the money, it was almost a side note because I, I just love, I love media and mm-hmm. um, in whatever form. And so I think the recent events of politics have shown a light on certain areas of media that need some help. And I agree with that because I think that you have to be responsible if you're, if you're conveying any kind of information, whether it's entertainment or news or whatever it is, you have to be responsible and do it authentically. And mm-hmm. I do think that some people have been trying to get like, um, you know, the quick, get rich quick, let's get a lot of viewers, a lot of listeners, because I'm going to tell you something that's going to trigger your emotions in the wrong way. And then, you know, and I'm not that person. I think that's, that's not media. That's not what media is about. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, so that's a little bit about, you know, my life and my background and, and, uh, you know, bring the same thing to parent. I think parenting is you trying to, you see yourself in your, you recognize the things about you and your child, and then you determine what you want them to inherit and what you don't want them to inherit. Right. And then, yeah, that's no way. Yeah. But then I think parenting, you also have to extend that to also recognizing the things in your child that are not you and helping them with that. And I think that's probably where some parents make a mistake where I'm not trying to live through my son. Like I'm not living vicariously through him and his experiences because I, that's what my life is for. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to set him up for success so that when he's on his own, that mm-hmm. at least he has something to fall back on. And if it's, and if he's doing what he loves or at least knows what he loves, like mm-hmm. at least recognizes his interests, then I think he's better off than if he has to wait until 22 to figure out who he is. I agree. Um, I'm trying to help him at six to start that process. Bravo, Melissa. Well, thank you. I, I, I interview, interview him in 10 years, 20 I, years. I and might then, and in a couple years. <laughs> and, and, yeah, exactly. And ask him, like, you know, the, the assessment of how I do as a parent is really up to him. It's not for me to say, <laughs> you know, interview him at 25. And if he's still calling me on his own, then maybe I did a good job. Well, if he's avoiding me, then I obviously didn't do a good job. Funny you should say that. I have a friend that has a five-year-old and he's teaching. I think he's a genius. I mean, I talked to her mm-hmm. two years ago about him and he's teaching himself how to write in Spanish, how to write in Greek, wow. doing ridiculous amounts of, I think it's almost like pre-algebra, uh, you know, long digit math things. And now he's all into the figuring out the technology. And I said to her when he, she posted something on Facebook just recently. I said, I think I might need to interview you and your child. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he obviously likes to challenge himself. And so that's going to be, you know, something for what I see in the future for him is the understanding that he's only going to be happy when he's challenging himself. Like mm-hmm. he's not the guy that needs to figure it out. He's going to be bored once he figures it out. Then he's going to move on to the next thing. Yeah. Right? Right. That will be a challenge for the mom too. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing for a living. That is a constant challenge for him. I think for me, you know, in media, the, I I went into news, but I ended up doing more entertainment than news. But what I liked about media 
is that every day was different. So the reason it didn't feel monotonous to me is I walked into the same studio every day, saw the same people every day, but what we talked about was different. So my job, my job um, Mm -hmm. duties every day were completely different than the day before. And for me, that's Mm -hmm. what kept me interested. Like I wasn't bored. I agree. As an educator, I can say the same thing. Right. Now there's some people who need the same thing every day. So there's some people who need that consistency every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, again, you know, I I just want to keep reiterating the point of understanding interests, your own, your child's, Uh, because you, that is a key to being joyful in your life is understanding yourself enough. And so if you know, you're the person that needs consistency, then that's what you need to be doing. If you're like me and get bored easy and need to do something else, media is beautiful because it provides that like, you know, even though I, you know, like I said, I write a blog, but every blog is about a different book. So it's a different story. And so it's, even though it's the same blog, it's, you know, and that's what, that's what makes me excited is. Well, I'm glad you brought up books. Gosh, people don't hear about that word anymore. <laughs> now during the pandemic, I think sales of books have skyrocketed. If I my, just my bought understanding. a great book myself. I, I was about to say, I got rid of a bunch of my books when I moved and got married uh, in 2017. But now I'm finding myself as an entrepreneur buying other types of books, right? So right. I just bought one about being thankful by Joyce Meyer. It's awesome. I just, it came yesterday. My husband got it for me for Valentine's and I'm like already quit reading it. And so um, that's why I brought up, well, number one, do you have a book that you suggest that parents read? Maybe your favorite book that, or for parents to have their children read either way. Um, and then maybe an affirmation or quote that sticks in your mind that, you, you use or buy buy in your life not to put you on the spot hmm, that's all right no um i think the first book that comes to mind uh for mothers of boys and i think you know if you're if you're a parents of girls too like i i i do i always am cautious cautious of dividing boys and girls out because i think that's where our problems are today i think the reason that there's such a inequality among men and women is because we have been trained to think we're so different. And I don't believe that. I really don't. I think that, um, I think men are emotional and women are tough. Like I, I I don't think that, that, you know, strength is only a male quality and delicacy and emotion are just a female quality, but there's a book called boys will be men. And that, and I can't think of the author right now, um, but it is a man who authored this and it's basically a different way to raise your sons um, because it's like the pressure among boys to be, you know, boys will be boys and boys don't cry and boys this and, and it, and it, it, it talks about the results of that. And it talks about how there's a, there's a loss um, in a, in a, in a, I don't know, like a longing in men that we need to help, Mm -hmm. um, to be reconnected with society, reconnected with the environment, reconnected, you know, not be this stoic standalone, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and oddly enough, I was interviewing somebody for my podcast and their son, who was a teenager happened to be there and overheard us talk and me talk about having a young son and he interrupted the podcast to say to tell his mom to tell me to read that book i didn't know this guy but it's like when a teenage boy tells me to read a book to be a better mother to my son i paid attention 
And so, you know, again, this is all from a male perspective, this book, Boys Will Be Men. And it was it was suggested to be by a young man. Um, oh. And so it's, I think, a really important book. Um, so, yes, yeah, so definitely if you have sons and I think if you have daughters, you'll you'll feel relieved at what you hear in it because it talks about how men treat women and yeah, how men's association right. with women. Um, so that's that book I would recommend. Um, a quote. Um, I, you know, I don't know if one comes to mind or after. Well, you know, there, the, a quote um, that I was saying the other day, and this is more for the parents than for the children, but it basically was always um, make your, former self jealous, meaning always be the age that your former self wishes you were. Mm. So I think also as parents, there's, there's, um, there's an insecurity that comes up because when you dedicate so much of your energies, whether you're a working parent or not, you know, you, your motivation to work usually is, is because you want to care for your child, right? So your whole mindset is about that child. That's your job, right? Um, but the reason that came to mind is because I think you lose um, your individuality for a moment mm -hmm. while you're taking care of your child, especially when they're younger. Mm -hmm. And I think you're constantly beating yourself up about being, a, you know, am I a good parent? Am I a good parent? I think if you ask yourself that question, you're a good parent because you care enough to be a good parent, but don't then belittle yourself. Like, don't think, Oh, I've, I'm, I'm not valuable. I'm not important because I, I think what is also very influential in your child's life is their observation of you. Mm -hmm. um, I know for me, my parents hung their college diplomas in the basement. It was in a hallway in the basement. And to them, they probably were just trying to find a place to put them on the wall. <laughs> but for me, I passed those every day. And I remember thinking, I can't wait to put mine on that wall. Mm -hmm. And so that subtle influence of the fact of where they went to college, they finished college, they have their diplomas on the wall. That inspired me to finish my college degree, just to have the piece of paper, to have it to hang on the wall. And so there's so much of our parents that were subtle influences on us. It mm -hmm. wasn't what my parents said to me is how they handled their own lives that influenced me so much. So anyway, being being ad, you know admiring your future self is something i think is very important for parents because the older you get the wiser you get the older you get the more experience you have and the older you get the more you are comfortable in your own skin and so i think don't forget about yourself as a parent and understand that you are the most valuable thing to that child whether they tell you that or not because think of your own relationship even if you didn't have a good relationship with your parents, it's still an obsession for a lot of people that the mourning of not having a good, your parents are so influential, whether good or bad. And so think about you are, you are so you're, you're godlike to that child or those children. And you need to, to put your shoulders back and understand I am important. I am valuable. I am. I, I was meant to be that for these children. And so, you know, I should love myself as much as I love them. I agree. Yeah. They're watching. They're like little sponges too. They're watching. Yeah. They're watching what you say to the television. Like, um, you know, my parents were, my parents were, were much older than me. So I'm, I'm continuing the tradition. I'm an old parent of my child and my parents had me, I was the oops baby. So they were older parents of me and they, you know, they were from 
small town Kentucky back and they were born during the Great Depression. So they there was every reason for them to be, you know, stereotypical Southern white people, but they weren't. And so the way they reacted to news stories when they would talk to each other, I observed. Mm. So when, <laughs> you know, when they would talk about how something is that that's not right, that's not right that that happened, or I can't believe that somebody would be that, you know, whatever, you know, when you're talking about like racial inequality, like my parents never agreed with that. Right. And I could hear in their conversation with each other when they'd watch the news about it. Mm. And that caused me to be progressive, you know, Southern small town, white girl, like, um, so just know that they're, like you said, they're spun. They're watching everything you do. They're watching how you handle cleaning the house. They watch how you handle getting dressed. They watch how you, they watch your emotions and your facial expressions. And they, you know, so just I don't know. want to make parents too paranoid, but you well, know, no, I mean, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I don't, it's not, it's just to show how important you are. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay for you to be into your own thing too, to be interested. You know, if you're in, if you, my mother was an artist and my, our house smelled of turpentine all the time because she, she painted with oils. Right. And, and I, I did not inherit her talent, but there was something special of my association with her and art and her art hangs in my walls. Mm-hmm. And to me, for, your, for you to be independent from your children, for you to show your interest, for you to be able to do your own, like don't just sacrifice yourself for your child. So that's really what I mean is be yourself Mm -hmm. and that will be just as instructional to your children as if you sat down and tried to do math with them. Right. You know, so So. what two things will wrap up? What two things would you say you're thankful for right now? Oh my gosh. I'm thankful for a lot, but (laughs) yes. Um, Because I'm a transplant recipient, I, faced death in my twenties. I've had my kidney 18 years and I faced, I was first diagnosed in my twenties. And I remember at the time it was this really lonely, surreal experience to be diagnosed with a life-threatening disease. And the transplant kind of allowed me or forced me, you know, both to really appreciate life regardless Mm -hmm. of how long this kidney lasted. So to answer your question, the first thing is to survive a pandemic with the condition I have is miraculous. Like it's um, the fact that we have the scientific knowledge to do a vaccine Mm -hmm. and to create a vaccine that's a type of vaccine that's never been created before. Um, I'm grateful for that because I feel that intellect is lacking in certain areas of our society. And I am thankful for intellect and that it's intellect that has allowed me to still be alive and be here for my son. Mm -hmm. Um, And the second thing I'm grateful for is the pandemic offered me the opportunity to sit and do kindergarten with my child. Mm -hmm. And that opportunity not only helped to learn about how, you know, how to treat people and everybody's, you know, meaningful and, you know, kindergarten lessons are very, you know, very Fred Rogers and very Sesame street. And it was such a, (laughs) it was, it was such an oasis in the middle of all this drama the past year that it was, it was a beautiful experience to not only, Uh, listen to a kindergarten teacher for the majority of the pandemic, but to also get to learn about my son and his learning skills um, Mm -hmm. and see where his strengths are and see where his weaknesses are firsthand uh, instead of only having to get reports from a teacher. So I'm grateful for that too. 
I have to say, I think that's what a lot of parents have started realizing. That's probably why I've been getting a lot of phone calls. Yes, <laughs> it's it's amazing that, you know, you listen to the teachers, take the teacher seriously because they're trying to convey like our, our preschool teacher was telling us things, you know, challenges that our son had because every kid has a strength and a weakness. And so they were explaining the challenges of our son. And, you know, I think we were like, OK, like it, it's OK, but we didn't internalize it. Mm-hmm. And then when we saw him and we're like, oh, so yeah. I think it's, it, it's not just the the energy that teachers have to exert that I um, have more appreciation for now. But it's wow. it's that information that they're giving me that I don't have access to. So I, I think teachers, right. I mean, we all think they should be paid more, but I I can't. They are such a important piece of our society and an important tool for parents that if you don't get to know your teachers well, you should, because they're really getting insight to your child that you don't get access to. That's correct. And I want to bounce off of that. I'm glad you brought it up, Melissa, because um, in 25 years that I've been an educator, I can say I've seen a lot of things in children, but it's all about time, right? I have well over a hundred students that I'm dealing with and every, and a lot of other things, meetings. And so parents need to understand that about educators. I mean, they may want to reach out to you and tell you everything, but, and it's unfortunate that it seems like conferences have gone by the wayside over the last five to seven years and they're no longer mandatory. So I'm going to, now that Melissa's brought that up, I'm going to encourage parents to reach out to your teacher and have a conference, especially now that you don't necessarily have to go in person. You can do it virtually. Absolutely. At the end of the day, when the teacher's finishing up, you can get on a call on a a Zoom call. And And wouldn't the teacher be relieved? And tell me, Helen, now, wouldn't the teacher be relieved if you just reached out randomly to the teacher and said, I'd really just like to have a conference and discuss my child. Wouldn't the teacher be relieved? Yeah. To know that the parents are that involved and, oh, yeah. and thankful sure. to be able to convey For that. Sure. Information. That would probably cut down on half the problems we have in, in, in education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, because you can't expect a teacher. I mean, we might look at a writing piece and we, I was just talking to a parent that I filled in for one of my tutors the other day and we're elevating her. She's in fifth grade. She's trying to get into Westminster. And this girl is definitely at least two years above. And so the parent has us coming in on her day off, which is a Wednesday. Um, and I filled in and I was like, oh, wow, she really needs to be elevated even more. And I could just see how, you know, the parent seems to know a lot of what she's missing out on, but I'm like, yeah, it's definitely the organization of an essay. She doesn't get, she's got ideas. She does outreach. She does all these things. She has a lot of strengths, but she also, I can definitely see the weaknesses too. Right. So that's when, yeah. And that's the other thing. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is it's, it's natural. You, you, it's a balance. You have to have a weakness. Everybody has a weakness and everybody has a strength. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's the other thing too, is like, it's not, it shouldn't be a disappointment. And also the way I communicate with my son is that I do love him the way he is, the way his brain works, the way, you know, the way he functions. And so he gets frustrated with himself when he doesn't do something well, you know, there's certain subjects that he does not do well. And it's, it's the, you know, he knows what he wants to do, but he doesn't understand the function of getting there. Mm-hmm. And it's just allowing the child to also understand sometimes it's you're, you're not going to do, you're in, incredibly intelligent, but sometimes you're going to 
trip up and that's okay. And that's a learning opportunity, you know? Right. And there's very uh, few students out there that can do all subjects well. Let's put right. it that way. Because usually you're right brained or you're left brained. And if you're going to be left brain, you're going to be stronger in your math and sciences. If you're right brain, you're going to be better in language arts and social studies. That's right. just pretty and much this, how we yes. were all made. And this idea that your child has to be perfect in everything, you're setting your child up for failure. You're setting your child up for self-destruction, for frustration, for, again, get to know your child and focus, you know, exaggerate the strengths and, you know, try to help mm. the weaknesses not be an obstacle. And I think that, you know, the kid will be great and I enjoy agree. school because that's the thing is I just want to make sure my son and enjoys school enjoys at least part of school and learning and has that thir thirst for learning throughout his life and i think that's that's, that's what school should be about yep Motivate. thank you for what you do and congratulations on your podcast oh, thank you for thank letting me be you. a part of it congratulations on your new one i have to like jump on that one <laughs> yes the frenzy you're not you're never too old to listen to the frenzy that's that's kind of <laughs> what i like to you can be too young but you can't be too old so, so how can people reach you <laughs> melissa if they want to uh, speak to you about gaming let's say as a parent and they want to get your ideas and, and on the phone absolutely you or email yeah, speaking of the frenzy, you can just email me Melissa at the frenzy.com. So it's M-E-L-I-S-S-A, -S -S the only way to spell Melissa. I'm just kidding. But yes, two <laughs> S is one L. And then, like I said, the frenzy is spelled like friend with a Z-Y. So F-R-I-E-N-D-Z-Y. So ah. Melissa at the frenzy.com. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Of course. Thank you. It's a pleasure talking to you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Parents are amazing. You guys do such a, oh, you guys got a, a big job. <laughs> <laughs> I thought educators did, but the more I speak to parents every day, the more I deal with them in Dynamus Learning Academy, more so actually I see a lot more being now in homes than versus when I was a teacher, right? Right. And being in conferences is a little different story because then parents leave and you wonder, hmm, wonder what's <laughs> going on over there. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, educators and parents used to be partners and they need to remember that it's a partnership. It's not a competition. So we get back to, to being a partner because my parents, anytime a teacher said something, they believe the teacher, not me. So it, it we got to get to the point where <laughs> parents and, and teachers are, are partners in raising a child. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. And thank you, audience, for listening today. Uh, get back on again next week. We will have another special guest. Take care. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Achieving Your Child's Potential podcast. I hope this episode has been insightful and inspirational. Whenever you're listening, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to get the next episodes and to join our email list by going to dynamuslearningacademy.com slash podcast. You may also contact me if you need tutoring assistance for your child. I may be reached at helen at dynamuslearningacademy.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.